This is On Target, a look at politics, crime, education, what's happening in Newfoundland and Labrador with the people who know. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your On Target host, Linda Swain. And no, I am not Linda Swain. I am Brian Callahan, or unless she's throwing her voice and has a really bad flu. Uh, thanks for tuning in, folks, on this Tuesday. We're going to um, divert from the norm and try a sports panel here today with the renowned and knowledgeable Brian Medor and Ben Murphy live here in studio. We are welcoming phone calls. If you want to chime in on something that you hear that gets your goat, 59EVOCM, one 59 evocm or 273-5211, the normal look, uh, numbers that you would call for open line, actually. And as ominous as that music just sounds by <laughs> that intro music, Sports, um, we're going to get away from the ominous and the spooky side of things. Although I will say this, there was a time when I just totally considered sports a throwaway. It's not news, it's not news, but it is reality TV, and it is as reality <laughs> as it gets. You can watch your big brother, but when it comes to sports, you get to see it right there. It's in the athletes, it's live, it's drama, it is emotional, and it's real. And so um, Ben and myself and Mr. Medora are going to jump right into it. Ben, you might have to take off a little early today. By the way, thanks, boys. I don't mean to <laughs> dominate the conversation, but thanks for c- coming by. Took me about uh, less than a split second, I think, to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Brian, what time did you get up this morning? <laughs> about uh, a little bit late this morning, not till around 4 o'clock, actually. I'm oh, normally I up was a little you. bit before yeah. that, going over all the sports, whatever happened last yeah. night. But uh, no, I didn't do that this morning. And I'm assuming, Ben, you uh, you probably didn't miss Brian by much. No, no. I actually, Brian, I'm much the same, though. I slept in a little bit this morning, too. Yeah. I stayed in bed till about 4 o'clock. And, uh, <laughs> but then, you know, the norm. Caught up on the scores. Checked in. my fantasy <laughs> hockey. You know, the standard right. stuff. But, uh, Brian, thanks for having us here today, too. Let's, happy to be here. Let's give it a go. Let's just go right down. We'll have a few, four, we'll have four different segments. Let's just start, Ben. You might have to take off a bit early. So let's go right to the growlers. Let's do some local, and then we'll get into some Major League Baseball, the NBA playoffs, Maybe even a little Olympic soccer just to see where a Canadian team that hasn't even had their best player qualifies. Uh, Maybe even a little bit of tennis, too. There's something there I just want to touch on. And umpires in baseball, refereeing. We could go on, (laughs) and we will. Let's just start with the Growlers. Um, You know, Ben, uh, it's no secret. The Growlers have been the class of the league. Uh, Defending champions, even though we're, you know, COVID got in the way of all that. But to see them play recently and as dominating as they have been um, makes you wonder if they they just didn't miss a beat. Um, uh, Growlers playoffs, repeat, yes or no? Yes. Yes, totally. I I think the Growlers are going to go on a really lengthy, lengthy playoff run that'll see us watching hockey at Mary Mm. Brown Center into June. Because, like you said, Brian, I mean, class of the league in Mm. just about every regard. I mean, when you look at the skill this team has, they're right there. The goal scoring, the talent. But then when you go down the roster a little bit more and you see the impacts different rookies on the team are having. Or and the home Tazzo, You know, just he's one, sure. one rookie who is just having a tremendous year. Nathan Knoll, not technically an ECHL rookie, right. uh, a local talent as well. But his first year with the Growlers, he's made a tremendous impact. And not always on the score sheet, but he's not the biggest player. 
and he plays like he's seven foot six. But that's not all we ever need, is it? You no. need those role players. Exactly, right? And and the Growlers have so much skill and so much talent up front that you need guys like Nathan Knoll who can play that skill game and are very skilled and talented hockey players to change their roles a little bit. Mm-hmm. And Nathan Knoll has done that almost better than anybody Finds over the last way, number right? of Finds years. his way, right? Finds his niche into the team. Exactly. Yep. And he does – he's almost like – I know some people won't like this, <laughs> but he's almost like that Brad Marchand type where you yep. absolutely hate to play against him. But yes, whether you're telling yourself no in the mirror, I don't care. Yep. Everyone would want him on your own team that you cheer for because he brings that to the table. Yeah, sometimes might cross a line here and there. Absolutely. But can that, do it all. And that's the nature of the beast. I mean, if you're going to be that <clears throat> something disturber mm-hmm. like a Marchand, mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. So, Brian, do we have our own ECHL, our own Growler's Rat? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Well, I know what I noticed at uh, seeing the Growlers this year and perhaps last uh, couple of years ago is the boys are really going yeah. after those one-timers. The one-timer is good the, point. That is, it's seen, like cross ice yep. from only a few years ago, four or five years ago. It's set up the guy for the one-timer, get the perfect shot on goal. Sometimes they might make a little extra pass here or there that. Perhaps a shot would have sufficed. But, boy, are they becoming skilled at these one-timers. You know, and it just seems like, you know, you have an ECL, ECHL, you have an AHL. A lot of people look at these as feeder leagues. And and for the most part, they are. I mean, as kids looking, young guys looking for their chance, looking to make a a statement, get and turn ahead, maybe get a call-up. But the Growlers just seem like more of a team than any other team in the league. They just seem a team, and I know that seems... You know, I don't want to make it any bigger than it is, but the word team, and there's no I in team, of course, but it just seems that they have more of a camaraderie than other leagues. Now, granted, we get to see them, and there's about a bit of bias, but when you see the togetherness, and you can even see it in the other teams when they come in and we sweep them, you know, they don't get a look in. And if they do get a look in, it's maybe a lull in the second period. We all know Growlers have some hard times getting out of the gate in first periods and then all of a sudden the momentum it's like oh now we remember who we are and by the third period it's no contest and and the thing about that just to build on your point because i agree with with a lot of what you said and it's the lack of complacency on this team as well because you know when you get up in the standings and and you're beating teams in your division each and every night and you know you're locked in in a playoff spot it can be easy to let off the gas a little bit they were playing those games against Cincinnati Cincinnati's fighting for their playoff lives that weekend and we got a really good taste of what's to come for playoff hockey because that was as close to playoff hockey as you're going to get in the regular season and the Growlers were right there they won the first two games and after each game you know from watching from both a fan perspective and both a commentating perspective, you're walking away from that being like, that was one incredible game of hockey. And any fan who saw that is not leaving here disappointed. But you know who was? Growler's coach Kyle Wellwood. (laughs) Despite two wins, he said, you know what? I still felt we played down to their level a little bit, kind of got away from our own game. And, And again, it's that lack of complacency and never being comfortable with where they are and always looking to improve in some way because the Growlers are at their very best when they stick to their game. It's a high speed, high skill game. But then if it comes to that, you know, rough stuff, they can play that game too. And you see those doldrums of April, May, you're getting people. A lot of coaches will say, oh, you know, they had an off night. They're just itching to get to the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. It's that last month or last few weeks, you know you got a playoff spot, you know you're the clash, you know the standings don't matter, you know the points technically don't matter, but you want to keep the team in playoff shape 
going on a run in, but it's so hard to keep the attention of complacency or just let's just get to the playoffs. Absolutely. And and it goes back to Brian as well, because I think it starts with you mentioned the camaraderie with this group. Yep. You know, you look at their core players, the Zach O'Briens, the Marcus Powers, James Malindi. Zach O'Brien doesn't have a bad captain. game. Exactly. Doesn't have a bad game. James <laughs> Malindi's been captain from day one. Yep. And these guys are all local guys too, you know, and they've got a tight group. These guys have all grown up growing up playing together, playing against each other at all different kinds of levels. And they know what it means to the community as well. So when these yeah, guys from sure. outside come in, that is just kind of put right into your veins right away of how important hockey is and sports in general in this province. And that's why I think they do such a great job yep. of getting out in the community and, you know, being in schools and getting teams down to the games and interacting with the fans as much as they yep. possibly can. Because hockey is one sport where you don't get that luxury like you do in other sports because of the boards and the glass. There's always that degree yep. of separation, unlike basketball, right. when you're right there in the thick of things. So I've always found they do a great job they're a tight-knit group and i think we're in for a great playoff run series one starts against trois rivieres this friday night of course trois rivieres the echl affiliate of the montreal canadians growlers toronto maple leafs mm. i mean the stage is set both teams owned by is... deacon sports and entertainment it's going to be something else and, and brian, just going to say brian just bring brian in for a sec you know we talk about the camaraderie we talk about the team and how together they are in the community uh you know, there was a time that our distance geographically was considered such a crutch, but yep. there is that, you know, uh, being far removed from the rest of the league, being far removed from the larger centers, not being in the middle of Trois Rivieres, Montreal, Quebec, Toronto, that whole hub, having that distance kind of fills that community part. They feel the sort of not an isolation, but togetherness of being far removed and being as remote as we are on the East Coast. It's what it adds to the community feel and the camaraderie. Oh, it has to. And they're going into this as defending champions. And when you go in as defending champions, you've been there, you've had that experience into the final, right into and through the final at home and on the road. That also plays a key role in hopefully propelling them toward another mm -hmm. Kelly Cup final. I'd say consensus here among us all. Repeat. Absolutely. Anything else to be a disappointment? I think so. Yeah. You know, as among them, both the a fan sure. and speaking yeah. among the team, you know, I, I mean, you, when you hear these guys and you talk to these guys, their eyes are set on the big prize. You know, and, that's the goal. And we haven't even day. touched on the Growlers basketball, but we're getting close <laughs> to a break. But suffice to say, the basketball is going to be the atmosphere at that field house with Growlers basketball is going to be second to none. It's going to be an experience. If you can get a ticket to the first one, I'm just going to say inaugural season, if they have any of the kind of momentum and skill set and and, and and team effort that the Growlers on the ice show, it's going to be some product over there. I, I couldn't agree more. We've seen some of the player signings already, bringing in Junior Cadugan, the very first yep. signing. He was an integral player on the St. John's Edge yep. team. Um, we know what he brings to the table on the court. Off the court, he's a great leader. He has been through it all as a person and an athlete. It continues to persevere. He is, I think, a great player to kind of kick things off. The CEBL draft goes tonight. There's a chance yep. we could see a local, local guy, guy taken. Come. We will have to look and wait and see. But 
you know, that's coming up tonight. So there's lots of excitement building, and there's just not many or many or better venues yep. than the Fieldhouse. Yep. And oh, the first there, game, there I think, uh, early in, what's the date? June the I had to pull that up. Yeah. And when you're talking about the Fieldhouse, we've all been there watching the Mun basketball games, uh, the women when they were at the top yes. winning AUAA championships. Under a- Doug Partridge. Yep. Uh, the venue, you can't get yep. any better a venue. Yep. It's got atmosphere galore. And I don't know about the rest of you, I'm going just to see Patrick Union Jr., for starters, <laughs> and hoping Senior shows up too. That and that'll be, be a few else. autographs there. All right, my name is Brian Callahan. We're gonna ha- we're in the middle of a little sports panel for a Tuesday, in Linda Swain's absence. God love her for giving us the space. Um, we'll take some calls. Two seven three five two one one. If you have an opinion on anything you hear us gabbing about here today, one eight one triple eight five nine EVOCM. We will be right back. Join us for On Target, one hour in which Linda Swain examines topics that mean the most to you. On Target, weekday afternoons at 1 on your VOCM. And welcome back to Tuesdays on Target. Thank you to Linda Swain for uh, allowing me, Brian Callahan, to sit in as a host on a sports panel today, along with uh, Ben Murphy to my left and Brian Mador to my right. Uh, we just finished off having a little chat about the Growlers and the basketball team. Let's stay with basketball right in the thick of the playoffs now. I'll just throw it out there. Are the Raptors done? Primador. Oh, boy. They just haven't looked good these first couple of games. Blown out in the first game. Had a chance last night for a little bit. But uh, the 76ers, to me, just simply look too strong. I, I can't see the Raptors coming back from that 2 nothing deficit. But as they say, that's why they play the game. Who ben, knows? Ben, was it a rope-a-dope? Like, you know, going into it, it all the drama around Harden, whether or not he was going to actually. I mean, he hadn't. Uh, maybe the first two or three games with the Sixers, mm-hmm. him and Embiid looked like. They just looked like a force yep. that would be unstoppable to the playoffs. It, the the uh, odds, bra- odds, odds makers started putting them to the top of the list. As a, and then all of a sudden they went into something where no one could explain why Harden wasn't Harden. And then the playoffs start, and it looks like Harden's just content to play that bit role. You yep. know, fill in where he has to. Uh, take away from this kid Moxie. I mean, he's the guy who came out of the blocks and made up. He, he took all the pressure off Harden. And Embiid is just being Embiid. Yeah, Joel Embiid has really kind of separated himself from the rest of the group, you could say, so far in the series. He's looked just on another level. He yep. looks like a beast in almost every outing every play he just likes looks like he's bigger better stronger and wants to win more than everybody else around him and of course he has seen some heartbreak in his young career he has so you know uh, brian just further to your point do i think the raps are done unfortunately yes Mm. coming into this series uh shaquille o'neal said raptors are getting swept and i was like nope not a chance no way raptors will not get swept not happening after these first two games My opinion might have changed a little bit because it's not even... They're not close, right? No. Yep. We saw 20-point lead in game one. Um, and we're even... And, and even worse now. So, Scotty Barnes, day-to-day... Exactly. ...gets his foot stepped on by Embiid, of all players. <laughs> yeah. If my foot was stepped on by Embiid, <laughs> uh, that would be me. I would be gone. So... He gets his footstep, and then there's um, Thaddeus Young. Looked like he had a thumb. He he played the other night. Looked like, but we're not talking about losing a star and getting a star back. And in fairness, you no know, nurse has always made, Nick Nurse always made the point. The team has played better whenever they've lost their stars. They've always come yep. together more, strength in the numbers as opposed to leaning on a star. Uh, I just uh, I love the, uh, the dynamic too, right? Doc Rivers. So you got a doctor versus a nurse. <laughs> I mean, Haggy, I bet is watching closely. Um, but uh, you know the little dynamics like that. 
that. And then the referees have been up against it, as they usually are. They can't do any wrong. As long as they stay consistent, like umpiring in baseball, as long as it's consistent, you don't get complaints. But when you have... I think the Raptors had their first free throw with a two minutes left in the second half. Dale Knight, there's got to be something. So, you know, you have all this against you. You have the injuries. You don't have the Kawhi anymore. Going back to your point about heartbreak for Embiid, that yep. would have been the heartbreak there. That I think that's always in the back of their mind. Not only do they feel like they are just generally a better team than the Raptors, and they are generally. Yep. But they want that little bit of revenge, too. That was a tough pill. Absolutely. When that four-rim bounce, rebound off the rim and went down, you could see Sixers are... And the Sixers fans don't need to say enough about them. Yeah, they, and... They will I, accept nothing less. It doesn't, I don't, it doesn't matter if you look up and down the Raptors roster and who's still on it from that championship-winning team when they did beat Philadelphia. Doesn't matter. No. The Toronto Raptors are the Toronto Raptors. Philadelphia wants revenge. They want to beat them. They want to put them away as fast as possible, four games, and be done with it. That is in the back of their minds. It's just human nature. And it, regardless, though, even if they are swept, we, I think we have to consider this really a successful year Absolutely. by the Raptors. Yeah. We, we, didn't, we talked about this earlier on in the season in one of our sports chats just before 7 o'clock. Yeah. We didn't expect the Raptors to make the playoffs. No. They were going to be out of contention, you know, in the early last... Early on. Quite early on. And then, boy, they stepped up, and I'll tell you, they, they poured it on. They were the winningest team over they a were. stretch there from January and February for quite some time. So this is a good year. Unfortunately, the expectations of Raptors fans may have well, that's just artificially right. <laughs> went through the roof as a result of that run. Of course. They were on the outside looking in. Next thing you know, they're in, sex, they're in the sixth seed. Yeah. And, but, you know, when you just look at it overall, anything they would have accomplished from here on in, even a win in this series, would be an eyebrow raiser, a head turner for most people, just because yep. of things like uh, what Shaq had said off the top. And that was a pretty bold thing, considering of on, course. The, on the surface, it looked like the Raptors could be a great sleeper team. Nobody wanted to face them because mm. you never know because of the run they went. And not only that, the pedigree. They've been there. They've won a championship. Guys like Van Fleet and Siakam know what it takes. And the other guys have bought in. And you know, being these other guys and the younger guys, they've all bought into it. So they had a team thing going, but... Uh, I think in this case, let's face it, the stars won out. A guy like Embiid, who probably will end up MVP of the year, good you, chance. You, yeah. you just can't, you just can't discount it. So. Yeah, and Van, Van Vliet carried that team up until yeah. about Christmas time, till Siakam yeah. kicked in, and you know, then they got the rookies it was great going. In the second half. But it was Van Vliet that carried that team yep. for the first little bit. And, and that's a really good point. There's a lot of bright spots still to take away from this Raptor season. And hey, this Raptor season is not over. No, nope. you know, wilder things point. have yep. happened in the world of sports. Is it unlikely that they'll come back? Yes, but. Yep. We won't completely count them out yet, but regardless, a lot of bright points. Like you mentioned, Fred Van Vliet stepped up, showed he is the outright leader on this team. Now with Kyle Lowry gone over to the Miami Heat, he showed that yep. I'm the guy. I'm the one who's going to lead this team forward. Pascal Siakam had a tremendous second half of the season. Scotty Barnes, I think, yep. should win Rookie of yep. the Year. A lot of really bright points to look forward to to next year. A lot of other – sorry. And are we going to see uh, uh, an NBA final other than Miami <laughs> – and Phoenix? You read my mind, Brian. Who's in? Okay, Brian Medora. Who's in the finals? Uh, yeah, Miami, for sure. I, they're uh, going to sweep their series against Atlanta. I can't see Atlanta winning a game there. Uh, I see Miami in the final and 
has to be the Phoenix Suns. Uh, you know, they've had some great teams in the past with Steve Nash and faltered, but this one here looks to be really powerful. Dallas would have looked good in the West for me without Luka's injury. Ben, who do you like? I'm, I'm, a, I'm Phoenix. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, I've really wanted Phoenix to win last year. I have, I've, I've, I go back to the Steve Nash days yeah. because I'm not a Phoenix Suns fan, hand yeah. up. You know, I'll make that very clear Plus. right now, but I always have oh that soft spot, spot for the Phoenix Suns How because of Steve Nash. How do you know? And, you know, because growing up, that was who you watched. Yep, for oh. me. And uh, Noah Shepard's on our news desk this afternoon. He says Milwaukee Bucks in six. Okay. <laughs> can't, get, can't count them out. No. Defending champs. No, the Bucks are good. Yep. They're a dominant force. I uh, wouldn't be surprised, but I really want to see the Phoenix Suns win. I really do. Um, Chris Paul yep. has been in the league for years. Would love to see him win. And I think Devin Booker is uh, is just all time. I think he's a classy guy. I think he's a great talent in the NBA. Would love to see him win as well. My daughter wants Phoenix to go all the way too because Chris Paul was on her favorite show, Jesse. So that's all I have to say. (laughs) Hey, Jesse. Anyone out there? All right. This is the sports panel on a Tuesday afternoon. Thanks to Linda Swain for uh, stepping aside for one afternoon just to give us a little chance to gab about some sports beyond the local realm and get into some of the pro, pro sports because we know you're watching it. I am. And it's a weekend. That weekends these days with sports are chock full. It's the best time of year. NBA really playoffs, is. hockey playoffs. Speaking of hockey, we'll get to that after the break. I'm Brian Callahan sitting in today on On Target, the sports panel show. one 888 590-VOCM if you want to chime in on something very briefly. Don't have all the time in the world, not like a Patty Daly show, but we do have another half hour left. So if you wanted to make a quick call or a comment, by all means, give us a shout. 273-5211-1-888-590-VOCM. We'll be right back. Your VOCM 2022 ECMA nominee for Media Outlet of the Year. And welcome back. Uh, my name is Brian Callahan. I'm filling in today on On Target for the lovely Linda, Linda Swain, who has uh, stepped aside today to give us a, an opportunity for a little sport chat. Beyond the local and every major sports league, including the NHL. And uh, what a great time of year. So you have your um, start of the major leagues season. You have the NBA playoffs. The hockey play, NHL playoffs are coming up. Um, it's a great time for me. Great time for TV viewing. Brian Medore. Number one, million-dollar question, do the Leafs win the Stanley Cup this year? (laughs) (laughs) I think we should have – that should be a VOCM question of the day one of these days. Uh, Boy, they certainly have the offense. They have the firepower. Do they have the goaltending to get through a whole Stanley Cup run? I don't know. I mean, those – what you just said there then could be said any year. They got the firepower. Do they have the goaltending? And, well, they don't have to worry about Senators in the playoffs because that was once upon a time, that was the nemesis. Oh, it was. I guess the only thing we have now is to worry about Matthew's health, do we? <laughs> I don't know. I, I think Do you Matthew's sit him? Do you sit him for the rest of the season or at least load, manage him, load management him like they did with Kawhi and just keep him, care, keep him protected until the playoffs start or do you risk injury? That's the big question. That's uh, really, that's something that each individual coach has to figure out because you look, say, Colorado Avalanche, for example, Newhook and company. Mm-hmm. Well, they're going to win uh, the Western Conference. are going to have a uh, home ice advantage mm-hmm. throughout. What do you do? Do you rest everybody or some uh, players, depending on their situation? Do you tell the team to take 
the foot off the gas pedal and just kind of coast because you're going to finish first or do you go great guns and try to sock it to them as hard as you can i've seen it happen both ways i've seen teams that went all out to win the president's trophy and then bomb mm. in the first round of the playoffs tampa bay a few years ago against columbus the prime the most recent example uh and i've seen teams coast uh, Jacksonville Jaguars did it one year uh, in the NFL and Denver Broncos did it one year finished first and then just took the foot off the gas pedal and upset by Jacksonville in the first round because they just decided to take it easy for I the guess rest that's of the, the trick hey if you got the team or at least sit out your regulars and your high your, your high performance players close to the playoffs do you lose that momentum yeah do you lose that the 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 um, the team the the blueprint for what you have lined up for all season is yeah. all that go by the wayside and say okay we'll take it take the gas off for a week yeah. a guy like Matthews I mean how do you they don't probably win a cup without him and do they there's some some suggestion that uh, you know they'll let him play long enough to get his 60 goals and then sit him or then at least relax him a little bit I mean he had that little tweak last week and the Toronto media went nuts because they thought he was well, a serious injury but it's not well no it's not it's just very minor but uh, the last thing they should do is play him until he gets 60 goals and then sit him the 60 goals should not factor in to any decision-making whatsoever. Uh, if, if you need him and you want him to play and he can play and wishes to play, then you go ahead. If, he, if you don't think that he should be playing because he's nursing something and you want him tip-top for the playoffs, uh, well, then, you know, sit him out. But the 60 goal f should not factor into anything. Um, I don't think we can have a sports chat or a chat today about NHL without talking about Mike Bossy. Mike Bossy, what's the first? Oh, we remember that rookie year. We were just absolutely amazed. I'm a Montreal Canadiens fan, not necessarily an Islanders fan. That was we were cheering against. Everything was against the Islanders, mm -hmm. especially they were upset that year with uh, uh, by the Toronto Maple mm. Leafs in that first round in seven uh, with, uh, I think it was, uh, was it Tiger scoring the winning goal or Lanny? I think it was Lanny. And uh, Mike Bossy came in and mm. had over 50 goals yeah. as a rookie. And we were like, this is, he's somebody from outer space. Just to see, you know, his, the number 22, the yep. jersey flowing in the wind yeah. as he went. Because a lot of people had the same jersey, but they weren't flowing in the wind. Maybe Lafleur's jersey flapped in the wind like that. But <laughs> you see that 22 going down the side. And, and how could you not? Like, I was a Habs fan then, too. I mean, mm. I was a goalie fan primarily. So I loved Billy Smith. Mm. I loved Ken Dryden. I loved Mike Palmatier. I loved Bernie Perrant. I loved uh, Rogie Vashon. All those great goalies. But when you had a guy like Billy Smith who was out waving, his, flinging his goalie stick in the air like it was a machete. Yeah. And sometimes actually did the job of a machete. Oh, yeah. But then you had character guys like Clark Gillies and, and Butch Goring and these guys, Goring, Stanley Cup winner. I mean, who forgets yeah. that one in their mind? Yeah. So there was an admiration, not necessarily a, a, a love of the Islanders, but those gains between, say, the Habs and, and the Islanders at the old Nassau Coliseum in the early 80s, they were something to behold. There was just uh, the talent on the ice in those days. And the year Couldn't they be. won their first Stanley Cup, I think they were very happy when Minnesota eliminated Montreal in the semifinals <laughs> and, in Game 7 of that uh, that series. We get the Minnesota North Stars. Minnesota North Stars, yep. They don't call them that anymore. And the other thing, you know, I found interesting, and just to divert away from the actual hockey for a minute, and there's a lot of talk about the gambling sites now and single-game betting, of course, becoming available in Canada. And I had to say I was taken aback to see Gretzky doing that, doing these commercials now for sports betting sites. I, I don't know what it is. It just doesn't sit right with me. Like, 
First uh, of all, I know he doesn't need the money. No, but it's a it's a different day with it them. is. I mean, they have they're advertising the betting sites on their helmets, yeah. and uh, it's like uh, when international hockey first started, uh, going back probably too far for a lot of people here. But when international hockey with the seventy two Summit yep. Series, Canada and Russia, we what what's this advertising <laughs> on the boards? Uh, what do you mean? We didn't have that, and here we are. You know, as free enterprise as capitalistic as they come in North America, and here we saw it on in yeah. the, on the boards in Europe. I, I guess I'm thinking more about the social side of it, and the social yeah. ills of the side of it. You know, the gambling has become so prolific for so on every platform, and especially in the I mean, those days that you're talking about, no online, no nothing. No. Um, and now you can pick up a phone, you can spend money on gambling wherever you want, whatever site you want. Um, it just seemed odd to me that a guy like Gretzky who has always been that pure, you know, the greatest ambassador Canada could ever have, mm. not only the greatest player in the world, but the greatest ambassador despite, you know, and the trade and the tears. And I, I just find it odd to see him, you know, sw uh, just um, uh, uh, plug in all these sports bed sites. Just produced commercial, you know, with his statue in the background and the ice, and I don't know, it just doesn't suit his personality. Well, it feels like a bit of a sellout. I it, don't it's, know. It's different, I guess, because Gretzky's no longer associated with any team, so when you're yeah. without, you know, associated with a team a la Pete Rose and you gamble, well, there's some, you know, a price to pay, but in this situation, I, I, it's just simply, it, they are meshed really as one. Gambling and sport right now are as close to one entity as you can get. Yep. And most every commercial now uh, is sports gambling. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. every site you can imagine and the fight to get on them and yeah. for people's money and I I don't know. I guess that that'll be a, con a controversial topic for years and years and years to come and it's no one's business what you do with your money, but you know, certain people plug in certain gambling sites to me. It's a uh, I don't know. I still. I, I, I'm, I guess I'm on the fence. I'll say. Well, when I play, I could be convinced. When I play the pro line, I did that for a few years and won a little bit, lost a little bit, but it just became <laughs> uh, such to me such a diversion because I would be pulling for a situation, yeah, not so necessarily what I would have been doing without the the pro line tickets. So I haven't played the pro line now for. Uh, quite some time, five or ten years, yep. I think. And I would prefer to watch the games without having any, you know, side distraction kind of thing. I'll just watch the games as they are. And so I, I don't bother with it, but a lot of people are heavy into it. Yep, no question. All right, so uh, we are um, having a little sports chat here on the Tuesday sports panel with Brian Medore. Ben Murphy had to uh, uh, depart for a little while, maybe get back later. Um, I'm Brian Callahan filling in for Linda Swain today. Still a bit of time. Uh, if you wanted to chime in with a chat, five, uh, sorry, one, triple eight, five ninety VOCM, two seven three five two one one, and we will be right back. Every Saturday is perfect for a night at the cabin. The Cabin Party with Brian O'Connell. Saturday night starting at seven PM on VOCM. And we are back on On Target. Uh, Brian Callahan today filling in for um, Linda Swain with a sports chat. Myself and Brian Medore here now. Ben Murphy earlier had to take off early. And uh, just going back for a moment to, um, we're going to move on to some baseball in a moment, but just going back, we touched on some Raptors, and we had jo Josh on the line. Uh, Colin from St. John's, are you Josh? Yeah, no, I'm driving uh, across the island. I'm pulled over, but I'm driving oh, across the island. Got a great day to drive across the island. I'm envious. What do you got? What's your, um, I see you're up on the Raptors. What's up? Yeah, I mean, just I watched the two past two games, and I, I just want to know what you guys thought because, I mean, it's it's looking really rough, and the the defense was coming around last night, but then the 
Nick Nurse is just running those guys 40 minutes plus a night. Fred Van Lee last night played the full first half. And, I mean, it, the offense just looks so ugly. And against a team I thought a lot of people thought they could beat. I mean, on the spreads, you know, you go look online and, you know, they're only favored by, you know, they're not favored, but, like, they're they're not that far off, you know, favored to win that series or whatever. So I'm just I'm wondering what you guys feel about it because from what I'm seeing is is looking like it's it's going to be just blowed after blowed the way they're playing right now. Yeah, I I it's funny when Ben was here and we were talking about that. I wanted to go into more about Fred and the and the load that he's carrying. I mean, you're right, the full half, first half and not just played it, but he for most part dominated it as far as the Raptors went. I mean, he's going in, he's pulling he's he's pulling back on the three pointers, not just three pointers. He's going back to Steph Curry territory and nailing those long three pointers which takes the you know wind out of the Sixers, but only briefly, because ultimately they really just have Siakam, Van Fleet, and maybe Anunoby, and maybe Thaddeus Young, and maybe some other guy. And we all know, know we all know those other character players off the bench, but for the most part, it's their bench and some unknown entities, and they're really putting. I think Nick is putting a lot of. I mean, he doesn't have much choice, but he's putting a lot of pressure on guys like Van Fleet and Siakam, because where else is he going to put it? So you're yeah, right. No, I mean, it, you know, I, they're exhausting. They're they're exhausting the tank on you know on every play. I I agree. And last night we saw too, right? That you know Philly when they're running they, with their bench unit, you get guys like Boucher going. I mean, yep. he, he come in with I think like 18 and 10 or something last night. You know, he didn't play well to start the game, but you know he finished really strong. And they had that strange lineup of uh, yeah. Flynn Flynn off the bench and four bigs or something. Yeah. And, and and they they played well. They had they had a little twelve and zero or fifteen zero run there in the second half. I mean the game had the game was over after the first yep. quarter or second quarter pretty well. But like you uh, you know I don't know. Like I think if they could they could piece together some some weird stuff and if Nurse can can make make do without Barnes for mm. a couple games too, right? I mean, it you really, know, see what they can do. You're really right. It's a patchwork quilt, right? And he's putting yeah. and nurses. You know, there's a reason why he won uh, Coach of the Year, and there's a reason why he won a championship because he knew what to do with what he had. He's much more limited with what he has right now, and he's doing what he can. But boy, I tell you, even if let's just say they somehow got past the Sixers, look what awaits. It's either, you know you got <laughs> Brooklyn, Boston, Miami, I, you know, right. Milwaukee. Yeah. You know, I mean, I hate to say it, and I don't want to be a pessimist. I love the Raptors. I love what they've been managed to do, what they've done for Canada and all the rest. But it, it, they're in tough, and uh, even the most fervent fan would would admit that, eh, Brian? Oh, absolutely, without question. We as I, we said earlier, we didn't really expect them to be where they are. So it is a qualifier successful year but I don't think they want to go out under a sweep nobody wants to go out right. under a sweep you want to take at least one game That's a great in the point. series yep yeah definitely Josh man I really appreciate you calling in where are you about right now I'm just past Grand Falls nice going <laughs> west are you? The road. yeah going west awesome well enjoy the drive stay safe thanks guys thanks man take care Thanks, Josh. Um, let's touch a little baseball. we got yep. about five or seven, eight minutes left. Um, uh, you know, uh, not to just dwell on Toronto teams, but, hey, mm -hmm. uh, it's a good time to be a Toronto fan overall, um, especially it, and even MLS. But um, the Jays, what can you say? They're as powerful as they could look. Pitching, hitting, I mean, let's face it, they pick up a guy like Chapman in addition to what they already had. Yeah. Um, and then you look down the line through, I mean, the Guerrero, the start that the, that Guerrero has had, you know, the obvious 
pieces are all in play and then lo and behold uh, a couple of injuries Ryu all of a sudden doesn't look himself Teoscar gets a, a, a hip flexor Jansen's down for a little bit then they go into a little bit of a lull is this just the early season Brian or you know are they just ironing out the kinks and getting ready for a big run hard to say Hunjin Ryu was the ace of the uh, staff for a couple of years there and he's gone we don't didn't have his best stuff last year we don't know exactly how that's going to materialize uh, they're an offensive team. They have yeah. to put together that offense. They're right now. They have the third worst uh, percentage in the league in terms of hitting with runners in scoring mm -hmm. position. That's what it's all about. Yep. Runners in scoring position. You can have as many hits as you want, but you have to do it when the chips are down and when the runs count the most. So they're going to have to prop that up. I have no doubt they will. Uh, Vladdy, as we saw, can hit three home runs in a game and then the next game go 0 for 4, strike out four yep. times. So that's the nature of of a slugger like that. You don't necessarily want that type of inconsistency, but it's so early in the season, yep. uh, and they're just simply fun to watch because you don't know what's going to happen. Yep. And their defense is markedly improved from uh, last, well, especially two years ago, but even last year their defense looks to be a whole lot better. Their base running sense has improved tenfold what we see on the bases, uh, especially from you know players like Vladdy, who we didn't think was ever going to be any kind of a base runner, and now he he has he got in, out there. He got in the gym, but yeah. you know uh, it's funny. Okay, so let's call a spade. Is there a team having more fun? right now than the Toronto Blue Jays. Oh, I don't think so. I mean, the cameras spend more time in their dugout than they do on the field for good yep. reason. Yep. I mean, the boys are at each other all the time. I don't know. It looked like Guriel was a little bit annoyed the other day, <laughs> hauling on <laughs> Vladdy's dreads uh, because he kept throwing all the sunflower seeds in his hair. Yeah. But, you know, that's the kind of stuff. That's the team building. And I think they're such a young team. I mean, when you look, these are still the kids of Hall of Famers. You have Guerrero, Bichette, um, uh, Bijou, Bijou, and it goes on. I mean, they're the most well-known. Yeah. And even Bijou is still finding his way, but they're young guys. And that game that, uh, you know, Vladdy hits the three home runs, a la Reggie Jackson. Yeah. Granted, not in the playoffs the way he did it. But he hits those three, and then he comes back, like you said, and had that slump. But that was a, a rookie pitcher they've never seen before. Yeah. A kid who was journeyman, 27-year-old, first year in the leagues. So, you know, the, I think ultimately the best thing any major league team can do during the season, if you really need a win, call up some kid they don't know. If he's got a fastball and a breaking ball, chances are you're going to mystify the other team because everything is scouting report. And if they don't know the guy, it normally takes them two, at least three times to the order to get around on him. But when they figure them out, then they're in real trouble. And six teams make the playoffs this year. So yeah, that kind of change changes format. everything. Uh, of course, they would have been in the playoffs last yep. year, missing it by one, one game. game. Just one measly game. And you have to think, too, if they had been more stable in terms of residency last year, instead of playing, you know, out of uh, St. Petersburg, yep. Buffalo, Dunedin, ev everywhere, whatever. played out of everywhere. Yep. So. And, you know, there's a couple of other potpourri things. I mean, we could talk all the, you know, about who's contending in the Dodgers and what they'll do. Um, I just want to make note, last night, Freddie Freeman hits a home run in his first at-bat for the Dodgers against Atlanta Braves after winning in the World Series with Atlanta Braves. I mean, that, yeah, they were calling it a Hollywood script. It's nothing less than that. I mean, the guy gets up on his first at-bat as a Dodger and hits an opposite field shot. And that's seven in a row for the Dodgers. They are looking yeah. powerful. Yeah. Atlanta toppled them last year, unexpectedly so, on their way to that World Series, but yeah. the Dodgers look powerful. Dodgers, Jays, World Series. Hey, that, the other, well, that's the two uh, odds-ons right now. And the other only thing I wanted to mention, too, and I know this drives people, it drives me, I'm, but I guess 
guess you have to put it in perspective, but the umpiring has been – there was one game over the weekend. I think if anyone saw it, they know what I'm talking about. I yeah. can't really get – you know, missing – and they even did a graphic showing afterwards how many balls were outside was or way, inside. Way outside. By their standards, they really should not have missed those. Yeah. Uh, now, also, the announcers said, look, uh, the manager and the players, you can't – kind yeah. of be distracted by this you have to kind of take it in stride and knowing that by the end of the season they will all kind of equal themselves out that's what we like to think anyway and by the same token you know the managers may say that but i have never seen charlie montoya lose blow a gasket like the way that. he did the other day against oakland it yeah. happens very rarely and that should open an umpire's eyes too like if he's up here in my face what did i do wrong and they're not going to do a mea culpa right there on the field but even the umpires and even the league would admit that he had a bad game, which is, which is fine. All the players want is consistency. Yep. If you're calling those outside pitches over to them, you better be calling them for me too, and vice versa. And the other thing that I still can't get my head around, and I'm on the fence and I'm open to suggestion, or, or I could be swayed either way maybe, but the umpires in baseball now announcing their calls. <laughs> like, I mean, look, there's two calls in baseball, out and safe. And if he has to go on a microphone and explain that. Now, I mean, there's the odd home run that might hit a line and then it sort of glances off some. If they have to explain that, well, so be it. But I always love, I'm a purist when it comes to baseball. Any of these changes, like now the umpire announcing it like an NHL ref or, or an NBA ref. Uh, the reason we stopped, the reason why we're just hanging around here now is because... Well, I want to talk. It may be a situation <laughs> to more prep the fans because sometimes they can take a long time between the start of the uh, review and by the time they actually come out and make the announcement. So if they don't have that audio yeah. perspective, some fans might miss the call. I mean, you'd know the reaction of the fans, but you'd have to kind of stay riveted on the umpire or that little, uh, the little booth there. Yeah. So perhaps that's, that's a reason for it. Yeah, it's just the whole replay issue itself. Um, and slow motion replays bug me because really, if you're going to judge the ref or the umpire on the call, put it in the real time. This is the way they saw it. Mm. It was a 98-mile-an-hour fastball. It wasn't slow motion 62 where you can have six different angles to re-see the play and say, oh, he got it wrong. But the counter to that, though, <laughs> is do as that. long as you get the call right. No matter how yep, you do it, yep. whether it is slow motion or real-time motion, as long as you get yep. the call right. That's the other side. Yep, get the call right. And I'd say the call right now, the right call, is to wrap it up. So um, we're almost up to 2 o'clock. Brian Medor, thanks a lot. Right, Joe, thanks for Be having me. Love nope, it. anytime. Let's hopefully do it again. Thanks even to, as well to Ben Murphy, who was here in the first half of the hour of the show, in case you missed it, but had to skedaddle. And thanks again to Linda Swain for uh, making some time and moving aside to let us have a little sport chat today on a beautiful sunny day right across the province what better day to think i'll go out and have a catch <laughs> i'm gonna maybe have a bike ride i'm brian callahan this has been on target for tuesday uh the sports panel edition uh we'll talk to you next time thanks have a great afternoon